Hey, John. Hey, Marcy. How's it going? You know, we're still here in the Rona. I'm still here. <laughs> You're still here because you got sick. I did. I did. I got sick and I'm better, I guess. Because <laughs> now I hear that 30 and 40 year olds are just having fucking strokes on the fucking street. So um, I've been drinking. <laughs> to get what? through it. What you know, have you been doing? It, you know, you do live in Florida. So I do live in Florida. That makes complete sense to me. That what what else are you gonna do? Buy a tiger? <laughs> I mean <laughs> Well, you know. Speaking of tigers, welcome back, pop culture theologians. We're so glad you joined us for another crazy, confusing, gotta break it down for 17 hours episode discussion of Westworld. We are so what? glad you're back with us. Um, make sure you are following us on all the social media platforms because we're talking all things pop, the- pop culture, theology, capitalism, you name it, we're talking about it. You can follow us at the show, um, at Pop Theologians on Facebook and Twitter. Um, you can follow me on my basic handle at jerickson85. And Marcy, where are we finding you right now on the interwebs? Has your name changed? It did. Y'all can find me at Magdalena on Fire on Twitter and on Instagram. Facebook is reserved just for friends and family showing whether or not they're racist. So <laughs> exactly. let's talk about this week, John. Isn't that the truth, though? Honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, Honestly, you know, Marcy, what the f- happened this week? <laughs> so the South has decided that May 1st is officially when they're kicking coronavirus out. Mm-hmm. Um, so this might be my last episode. I don't know. Uh, but unlike the West Coast and like the West Coast Alliance that was built to safely reopen the states, um, the South is just like, playing like fucking like i don't know red rover like at this point what what, what is a game where you get hurt Dodge chicken ball. you can it's play like, ch- you're like they're like chicken. playing chicken right i was gonna say russian roulette but i don't know if that works but yeah, yes the sure. south is opening georgia georgia pretty much was like open everything florida interestingly enough was like yeah open whatever except for not south florida because that's our economic center and we can't do that. Um, also, because our cases have not gone down, they've continued to rise. So, um, but it's just, it's very strange watching the country kind of do its own thing. Um, and being in the South and having a frontline worker as a partner is really scary because, you know, none of us really know what this looks like. Um, I mean, if I'm following science, uh, there's going to be a huge uptick in my part of the country in the next couple of weeks when people are like, my nails mattered more than frontline workers. So, so it's weird. It's weird. Whereas California today was the first state to make uh, coronavirus tests available for everyone, which is so good. As many times as you want to take it. Um, I have wine scheduled for tomorrow. Good. I keep wondering if you're going to get the one that I got. A no, weeks ago, I watched the, the video. It's the one, it's the swab. Okay, that's what I got. And I felt like they swabbed the back of my brain. Like they were like, let's just keep going, keep going. Um, and it my goes brain in my was mouth, like, no. though, not up my nose. Okay, that is different. 
the one I got was up my nose and it was awful. <laughs> so speaking of, of Rona, um, did you see Mike Pence? You mean I mask for to... mask? I can't. I can't. Like, there's like, look, the pandemic is a horrible thing. But I honest to God feel like stupidity, like a willful allegiance to stupidity is even more dangerous than the pandemic right now. Um, watching that man walk into a COVID unit wearing nothing, nothing. Even the Holy Spirit's like, I'm not fucking with this shit, man. Like, it was so, especially because I was in a COVID ER unit myself two weeks ago. They're terrifying. It's just like the set of contagion. And this dude's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. Like, if like, I I'm see cool. everyone around, like, if I see everyone around me wearing, like, most of them aren't even wearing N95s. They're wearing full-on, like, gas masks. And, like, and I'm just kind of like, okay. All right. And like, I, I even like talked to a professor about it. Cause I was like, I don't know whether to be like, that is Darwin at its best. Or if I should feel like a sense of sorrow for folks that are so ignorant and, and misinformed that they would walk into a COVID unit without a mask. And, um, my professor's a better person than I, he was like, Mars, like we should feel really sad that like mm -hmm. someone would be that misinformed yeah right like it's pretty upset and i was like oh it is it really is and like and it'd be one thing if he only put his life in danger but anyone else who's around him for the next like 20 days is in danger like you're shedding that virus even if you're asymptomatic for at a minimum 14 days i have a good friend whose parents both both tested positive over 30 days ago and they got retested this week they're still positive so, like, who knows how long Pence is a walking, like, uh, nightmare. I mean, he's been one forever, so. But, yeah, I mean, it was really weird. I, I did not know what to do with him doing that. What did Mother think? I just, oh, my gosh, Mother came out to defend him and said that it was only after their visit at the Mayo Clinic that he found out that there was a mass school. Which is a total lie because they totally prep and do all that stuff ahead of time. Also, it's a COVID unit. You don't need to be told. Like, are you living on this planet with us? Like, what is that? Like, I don't need to specifically be told that I can't walk into Cedar sinai without a mask to know that I shouldn't walk into Cedar sinai without a mask. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, but, but nice try, Mother. Um, always appreciate when she pops up, you know. Yeah, she's a nightmare. From her coven. <laughs> they both are. Um, so, uh, before we go to something a little a little lighter, as our third kind of like what the fuck of the week, I did want to mention that tomorrow, May first, is a pretty important day. So tomorrow, uh, a lot of the folks that work for stores that have been keeping us supplied during the um, COVID nineteen pandemic are striking. So Amazon, Whole Foods, Instacart, Trader Joe's, Target, their workers are striking tomorrow. And so I know for a lot of you, it's like, well, I'm not going to walk into a Target. Ordering from them online, Amazon, Whole Foods, Instacart, Trader Joe's, Target, ordering from them online is effectively crossing a picket line. The only people who cross picket lines are assholes. Don't do it. Stand in solidarity with the workers. 
Remember that they are literally the people who have kept the economy and our lives going as normal as possible. The least we could do since we'd be hitting that like order button, like, like it's like taking a hit of cocaine. Like it's just, we just all order a bajillion things right now. Just don't cross the picket line tomorrow. Stand in solidarity. It's Mayday. Please. It's Mayday. You could do it. You could do one day without ordering anything. Um, Cook something at home. Goodbye. And stand in solidarity with workers who are predominantly people of color. People of color, lower income folks. Exactly. Women in particular. Women. Um, So come on. Let's do it. Um, Okay. So the third thing I had was there's a show everyone's talking about that dropped on Hulu. Normal people. Um, Film Twitter, TV Twitter has been going crazy about it. I'm going to start it this weekend. I will let you guys know how it goes. I'm excited because Hulu's been dropping some great shit. I finished Little Fires Everywhere and it was amazing. Um, and then, John, I finished my Game of Thrones rewatch. Speaking of things you shouldn't do. It was less painful the second time around. Nope, won't do it. I was able to appreciate more time with the characters I loved and less time with Danny. And I think that helped. I can't Uh, even get past the first episode. (laughs) I will tell you that watching the last couple episodes followed by watching this week's episode of Westworld past ponds um, felt like they were intertwined for me. So I think we should, I think we should break down this episode and we're actually going to talk quite a bit about Game of Thrones, I think, because I see a lot of parallels in the perilous road that the showrunners have decided to take Westworld on. Um, mimics where we were exactly a year ago with Game of Thrones. So with that, I think we should break down this episode past pause. Where are we, Marcy? Jakarta. Jakarta. We're in Jakarta, according to the arrival alien language circle, which is the only way I think of the circles at the beginning of each episode. Um, But I was very excited because, John, who makes an appearance? Your BFF, Clementine. Clementine. And your other BFF, technically. Musashi? Yeah. I was very, very excited to see Clementine. Um, she tells, they're in Jakarta. She tells Musashi, who is Dolores. Um, I have not been able, Dolashi? I don't know. Um, she tells uh, Dolores that like she's working with Maeve, uh, which I don't understand why, <laughs> which is the first of I don't understand why is that you're going to hear in this episode. So if you're drinking like I am, don't drink every time I say that because you're going to pass out. Yeah, I, um, I appreciate how they use Clementine in this part because we've been wanting her all season because obviously we love her. Um, and I, I will her. say that although I'm confused as to the structure of the story, it is a great use of like the Clementine character. It's like a short, sweet snippet of her that I'm okay with. Right. We want to see Clementine. And we want to see her kick ass. And she does. She, like, throws a glass better than any of the Real Housewives. Um, Her and Musashi, Dolores, 
fight each other. Everyone's getting hurt. Um, but then we see Musashi's, I can't even remember her name anymore. Gal Pal from Shogun World comes in. She's like, Musashi would never have done this. Um, and then Clementine decapitates Musashi slash, slash Dolores, and they leave together. So I think that scene is just to establish that Maeve and Sorak are not alone. They've got Clementine and a couple others up their sleeve. That's how I read it. Yeah, they, they're definitely after Maeve's body was created after the last time, um, you know, she definitely created a few other people, a few other gal pals. Because if you for, if you remember, like, I think it's Dolores in the last episode said, just like you and Clementine worked for your stuff or however you did, like Clay, Maeve and Clementine are like a pair. Yeah, yeah. So then walk me through... Mm, the storyline I'm like least interested in. Okay. And so listeners, just so you're <laughs> aware of, Marcy and I are having a cocktail during this recap because this episode was bit. really hard for us to watch. Um, and we're going to talk about- how many of- times did I have to watch this episode before I actually finished it? Felt like you watched or how many actual times you watched? Actual times. Seven. Seven. I started this episode seven times and it took seven times to actually finish it. And we're going to get there to why (sighs) because, and that's where the Game of Thrones reference comes in because this show is hitting and firing on all cylinders, just like parts of West, just like parts of Game of Thrones final season. There are good episodes in there, but then they do you real dirty at the end. And so the part what we're getting done real dirty here is the Caleb storyline. Um, So we go to Caleb and he's having flashbacks similar to Dolores with Arnold of his past that we assume is like a twisted therapy session, but he clearly has had struggles um, in remembering his past um, in combat. Um, We actually don't know a lot about his narrative backstory because we think he's doing one thing, but then in reality, we understand a whole different picture of who he was as a result of what is kind of unraveled in this episode. Right. Um, and, and so I think, I think this is supposed to remind us of like Arnold sitting Dolores down and being like, you know, what is the nature of your reality? And like, um, the therapist flashbacks seem to have this like woman therapist who's like, you know, tell me what you remember. So I think they're supposed to parallel each other. And the crux of the question that we've been teased with ever since meeting Caleb is that obviously in the first episode, he keeps getting voicemails and having therapy sessions with his friend, best friend, Francis, right? And then the story continues to unravel. And so we find out that Francis is dead. But the main question of the episode is who killed Francis? And so we're going down this journey with Caleb to understand who he is a little bit more, how it fits into this larger story, and then ultimately impetus behind Francis's death. And there's a lot of questions that they're setting up with one episode left that just seems completely out of place. Right. So this will be the first time in this episode that I say I am not particularly interested in Caleb's backstory and I think that's a problem like and I mean I'm always honest on podcasts like obviously like I don't like like we don't get anything from doing this other than the pleasure of breaking it down but like 
I'm just not interested. I'm, I'm not invested in Caleb as a character. But more importantly, there's other characters that I'm much more invested in, right? And so, um, so it's interesting to see in one episode uh, a TV show recenter its entire mainframe on a different character. Who's a so, white cisgender. And we yeah. find out that, right, if, if you didn't catch that white cisgendered male. Um, so if, so we follow Dolores and Caleb back into like a Westworld adjacent place that actually um, later in the episode we find out is Sonora. And um, so Caleb's put together like Dolores is definitely the, the person that was in charge of the massacre at Westworld. Um, and he wants to know, like, he asks her, like, what type of revolution are we waging right here? Like, um, and like, why, right? Like, why? And she tells him, in what I think was one of the most poignant lines in this episode, and maybe in the entire series, and it's kind of been a theme through the entire series that I did want to dig at a little bit, because it's one of the only things I really appreciated from this episode, is she tells him, in, re in reference to her life in Westworld, which she refers to as home, you know, I lived in hell, but there was beauty in it, right? Um, and she wants a place for her kind and for all of us to be free, right? So she's, she wants to reimagine a world where her kind and Caleb's kind, which is our kind so that we know of, um, can exist free to make their own decisions and like free to live as themselves. But what I wanted to focus on for a second is this idea of I lived in hell, but there was beauty in it. Um, that is such a beautifully put together sentiment about sometimes the things we leave behind. So like, I'll give you an example. Um, I am no longer religious. <laughs> I have what? a lot of trauma from what? being, what? I have a lot of trauma from being Catholic, but there are aspects of that life that I miss and that, that I can acknowledge were very beautiful right? Like I'd sell my soul for like, just at this moment, I've been in my house for 44 days, just smelling incense in like a huge empty cathedral. Like, and the peace I would feel when I would just sit for a long period of time in silence. Um, and the sense of community I had with a lot of people, like there was beauty in the horror that it was. And so I like the fact that, that, that she is willing to, to say like, you know, these, these, those 35 years that she existed in Westworld were a living hell, but they also contain every bit of goodness that made her as well. Do you know what I mean? And so I thought, I thought that was like really an interesting way to understand Dolores, because I think in my head, I had severed her from Teddy, from her dad, from, and like, like somehow Dolores had stopped meaning anything in context of the Westworld life she left behind. So I thought it was really good to bring it back and remind us that like Dolores sacrificed a lot, sacrificed a lot of people she loved to get out, right? And that is something that we've talked about on a lot of shows, like the cost of freedom can come very high. And so it was just interesting to hear her acknowledge it. Well, there's a beauty but in Caleb the breakdown. Still has Right. There's beauty in the breakdown and, and 
you can simultaneously miss something and want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I mean, that 100%. is a very real thing. Yeah, 100%. That is, yeah. So, so, but Caleb's obviously not convinced and he's confused and a little worried because he's like, well, how many people have to die for this revolution? Um, she's and got, she's how like, how many you got? <laughs> right. She's like, there's only like six of us left. What are you worried about? Um, but then she says something that I have no, no idea what to do with. And I need you to help me figure it out. She says, my kind are almost exist, extinct, not exist, extinct, but humans still have a chance. I'm sorry, what? I thought Dolores, like, when did humans become the focus? Like, saving humans from the system. Like, what, I, I'm, I'm literally at, like, at a loss for it because while I understand that humans co- can come alongside, I've always fundamentally understood Dolores's main mission as I will save my kind from humans and their awfulness like and the way in which they they function so to hear her say like dude we don't us us like hosts like robot hosts we don't stand a chance but humans can live outside of robom outside of solomon like that that is i'm not narratively following because then like the anger is at programmers not humans themselves and while i understand that we should be mad at programmers not just humans um, it's not a programming that made William rape Dolores a million times. It was William. So I'm, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think that this is where we have a problem with the very nature of which the <laughs> show is turning, right? I mean, the focus of this, this whole episode. This was not a show about saving humans. This whole show wasn't Sorry. about a man named Caleb either. I mean, Thank you. what happens about this show is that it be, the focus of it is drifting onto this new part. And so unless there's some big reveal to Dolores's plot that brings it back to the main focus, I don't know where the show's going. Ugh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Dolores tells Caleb, come on, we have stuff to find. And then we move to a very truncated scene with... A group I'm just going to call the men. The men. The men. I have it capitalized, all caps, men. So Stubbs and Bernard are with William. I don't know where. I think still at like William's compound. And Bernard is looking up information about Ciroc while William is like doing these angry monologues about like losing Delos and how he's going to mop the floor with Dolores's blood. Um, all right. I don't get it. I, Dolores could have sent information to Bernard. That Bernard doesn't need to mine a computer for information uh, on Ciroc. I don't. I don't understand. Um, and then, and then we're told that Dolores used William's blood to gain access to some of the information that she needs. And again, I'm like, okay. I've never. I just. I can't understand how you misuse Jeffrey Wright this badly in a season or ed harris ed harris is the best part about the show it's just they're like in a room like trading barb like it's just it doesn't it doesn't work um but then 
when you present me with going back to Caleb's war memories, I'm like, no, I'll stay, I'll stay with Bernard and the man in white. But that's um, the problem with through- Caleb's, Ber- that's the problem with introducing this like big reveal about Caleb to fit into the larger like matrix like storyline of robot. If you need to have a storyline about people who have been reprogrammed, do it through William. You didn't need to do it through Caleb. Keep it tighter. That's what she said. Um, sorry, like keep it tighter. You didn't need him. William needed to be reprogrammed. Like it, it just oh, ugh. okay. So the men are doing their thing. I don't know. They're finding out information, very important information. Caleb has more war mem- memories for us. So where was he apparently in the war? So he was in Crimea, apparently, and the Russian Civil War. And some of the stuff that the show alludes to a lot, like historicity, like from Paris being blown up by a thermonuclear weapon to all of these other actions, you know, that are like, uh, you know, things that take out the cog of like human dissonance of like the stuff that Sirach predicts, right? You know, it's so weird to think about a Russian civil war, but when you're looking at like our current state of geopolitical climate, like, you're like mm, maybe. It's like, sure, why not? Yeah, why not? Um, you know, but they're, they were acting as basically mercenaries, him and his best friend, Francis. Russian K- civil war is Q- quarter two, 2020. Quarter two, um, 2020. We're yeah. not there yet. Um, and that, that's, that's in, that's in July. Um, and then, um, (laughs) Caleb seems like really pretty comfortable with killing people. Like he's definitely a hired gun in a lot of ways, you know, and he, his unit was then attacked by insurgents, Russians. They lost a whole squad, but he and his best friend, Francis are captured by the leader of the insurgents. Yep. Yep. And we're just getting this backstory. Like, I just don't care. I'm like, I don't care about yep. Caleb. I cared about him in episodes one, two, three. I don't three. care. I don't care. I don't. <laughs> I cared about Sorry, him. Sorry, it sounds like we're being obnoxious. Like, I really care about this show. We wouldn't have covered it for this long. Um, this episode is is just baffling as a watch, as like someone who watches. Um, and we're not alone because if you follow Westworld Twitter. Most of Westworld Twitter is like, wait, what? What? Um, yeah, no, yeah. So Russian Civil War, he's a pretty much like a mercenary. Um, and then we go back to Dolores and Caleb in the present time, and they're arriving at what I guess is Sorok's compound outside Sonora that looks a lot like Westworld. They take out all of the security and they go inside. And Caleb is massively triggered by this place. He is like a millennial snowflake. Um, I say that as a millennial who gets called a snowflake every 15 seconds. Um, So like, he's kind of like, dude, I've been here. Like I've been in this building. Um, And we are led to understand that this is maybe where he got his therapy. And he's struggling to process how, what this place means in his story. And like Dolores, when he's like, I've been here, Dolores is like, yeah, and we need to go find Solomon. And neither Caleb nor the viewer knows what the hell she's referring to Mm -hmm. Um, because we don't know who Solomon is. And we don't know that Caleb had been there, though it is now confirmed. Um, Yes. So then we get into even stranger world building. Um, 
And again, I don't think you needed this. I think you could have just kept Robom and not needed another one, but sure. So I guess before um, Robom, Sorak and his brother had created Solomon. And Solomon, um, I guess, was the beta system, right? He was Mac, Mac OS, like a 9.2. <laughs> right. Um, but Sorak's brother, we know, was schizophrenic. And apparently, if you're schizophrenic, your coding is schizophrenic as well, according to the show. So Solomon was unstable. And so they put it inside this compound, secured it heavily because it's very dangerous, and left it there. And I think for folks who are watching who see kind of like a mainframe computer, um, think of it as a transformer. And then you understand why they would need to put it in a compound and keep it well secured. That thing can think by itself and do shit by itself. Um, so they walk up to Solomon, put some earpieces on, and Solomon starts talking to them. He's like, what voice do you want me to use? Um, and I'm just saying, I would ask for Betty White. Uh, just to make me feel comfortable. Um, that's a good voice but, to make you feel comfortable. That's like telling you your future. Oh, uh, like if Rose Nyland was telling me that like the pandemic was coming, I'd be like, sure, Rose. Sure. Um, but Dolores tells Solomon that she has some questions. And um, Solomon's like, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> and he kind of says, like, I know everything about everyone except for you. And Dolores responds, no, man, like, I'm, a, I'm like you, I'm a computer. And he says, and I think this is important. Uh, he says, no. You were created to be like humans. We do not have anything in common. Um, which means that Dolores is neither robot or human. Like, she's not robot enough to be robot. She's not human enough to be human. So sh she's bisexual. I don't know. Like, she's just something else, right? That's the same thing um, with Bernard, though. I think that's always been the underlying story, like, with Bernard. He's neither... He's neither he was always depicted to be a human until the big reveal in season one. And then he struggles with being a robot, but he's too much of a human to feel that way. Well, and I think this comes into play later. So tell me what Dolores asked, like talk me through Dolores talking to Solomon. So Dolores, like, you know, has her like, Oh no, you don't belong here. Like, you know, attitude back from Solomon. And so Dolores asks the, you know, basically computer uh, for help in ending the world order that he created. And, you know, she says that she knows, he knows it doesn't work. Um, and that this whole system in place doesn't work regardless of whatever Ciroc's wishful thinking is. Um, and right. it's pretty interesting because we're getting into like, there's so much in the room that they're at. I mean, there's, those little casket things. I mean, where people are inside and, you know, all this reconditioning happening and Solomon then lets Caleb know that actually, because we go back to the Caleb storyline, um, that he was one of the first to receive this reconditioning treatment and that it's very successful um, with him and that only one 10 one out of 10 reconditioning is successful. So Caleb's like super special. And we're like, well, you better be super special because the storyline makes no sense about what is going on. And this is the problem with this episode. It's that if Caleb's not there, they're telling you some actual big pieces that Ciroc so you know, I, this, is going this into. Is, 
this is yes so solomon letting us well dolores letting us know that the world that Sirach created that he said was perfect until she showed up that was a lie right it's like being on mori that was a lie um so what they needed to do was take out the anomalies which are people right who would throw off this future that Sirach was building um to therefore keep this future in line um and so they would either kill people not kill but they would put them in like these which feels very minority reportish when we see it it's like prison this like, like little endless yes like a casket prison things where they're suspended in animation so they just take these people out of like out of rotation in the human race um and they will try to recondition them but only one out of ten can be reconditioned so technically caleb is is special because he's one out of ten right but not that special um and what's interesting for me is the bigger story here is Sirach purposely was ignoring the reality that the future he kept trying to build didn't exist because he kept having to kill and kill and kill and i'm using kill for the folks that are in the like suspended animation caskets to keep this future afloat which is just as bad as like blowing up paris right so it's all a facade it's all a facade um you cannot save humans from themselves they will always act up they will always do their shit um so i thought that was interesting caleb not so much but it is interesting to know that Sirach's full of shit he's had to become a mass murderer to just keep his future in line uh and humans still fuck it up he blames dolores but it's not just dolores so so back to the men the men uh the men tm uh we find out that william was one of the people who was reconditioned as well but it didn't work well for william like it didn't work so he's not one out of ten um and yet he's somehow still alive which my guess is because he's really wealthy um i, I don't know i felt like there was a lot well, there that they try to recondition him that's from that episode and then all right, of the but shit my understanding down. was if you didn't get reconditioned you get put into the sleeping casket yeah they just interrupted it right um so so yeah and then william admits to bernard which we had pretty much gotten this information in episode one that william sold Sirach the bio data that was needed to create robom and i was like that's not a reveal we knew that from episode one so thank yeah. you men thank you TM. um wonderful so um we have more flashbacks from caleb <laughs> he still doesn't know who killed francis and also and then, if you're a, if you're a clever viewer you know who killed grant francis right it's not that fucking hard man <laughs> Come on. you killed um, francis caleb Dun dun dun. dun 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 so caleb and dolores are going deeper into the facility and they come across like a hologram Sirach that i think was meant to appear to Sirach's brother if his brother ever made it out of one of these sleeping caskets right um and like his and Sirach is like you know 
if you're seeing me, then like the my future's gone off. Like, bum bum bum. Uh, I don't know. Um, again, like I literally don't know. I mean, I do know. I knew. I know what I watched. It's just very kind of. That's the problem. There's a lot of big things that happen in this episode. This is a lot of stuff without but enough. But the problem a, with the episode is that there's too much that you don't care about. The Francis and Caleb shit, no one cares about. No Get me cares. back to the reconditioning, programmatic uses of Ciroc that then pinpoints why Dolores is doing what she's doing to save whatever she wants to do and continue the storyline. Don't throw the Caleb stuff in there. Don't do it, especially in episode seven. And then especially when you need <laughs> to think about the ways in which, you know, the whole story is is changing because this whole story goes from being about Caleb and Dolores. It goes, it goes right back to Caleb and that's the problem. Right. And we might not get a season for like another four years. And so, um, but Solomon does let Caleb know that like Caleb's actually been rounding up outliers, like people who weren't able to be reconditioned for years through the Rico app. So the Rico app now makes sense. Um, how very Purge-esque of you. Um, and Solomon's like, you were one of our most successful operatives. You killed so many outliers. And Caleb's like, I don't remember that. So like, Caleb then suddenly is like, wait, I went to war, but I came home. And then I guess me and Francis worked for Rico, which was technically Solomon. Um, and Solomon even tells him like, yeah, people we reconditioned were reconditioned with this ability to disassociate from certain memories that aren't needed. So Caleb wouldn't remember offing outliers because he doesn't need that information. So he had no idea what he was doing. Um, okay. All right. So he's been a mercenary playing golden eye with folks who can't be reprogrammed um, for a while. Uh, and then suddenly we figure out that Caleb and Dolores are no longer alone because the fight of the century is about to happen. And I'm being sarcastic because it was extremely uneventful. But Maeve's coming in a choppa. She's coming. Um, she's coming for Dolores. She's coming for Dolores. So she, Dolores asked Solomon to take care of Caleb and make whatever future they can. She's, this is where she hands over the entire series to Caleb. She tells Solomon to take the plan that saves the world and make it fit around Caleb. And Solomon's like, I don't know if I have enough time, but I'll try. What? What? And Cal and Dolores like willingly sacrifices herself in a sense to buy Caleb and Solomon more time. Ooh, I'm so, I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know this Dolores. I don't know her motivations. I don't understand. I, I don't understand. And then we get this Maven Dolores showdown. And yo, I'm just not going to make a lot of time for it because it I, it's as useful as Daenerys Targaryen and Sansa Stark fighting in season eight of Game of Thrones. It was absolutely pointless. It narratively did not make sense. And last time I checked, they have the same enemy. So. I don't get it. Um, but yeah, Dolores is like, dude, I'm not your enemy. And Maeve is like, you're in the way of my daughter living a beautiful life. And Dolores is like, yeah, no, I'm not. 
and then they fight. And then, John, what is point 29 on our outline? Uh, fight scene, fight scene, fight scene. <laughs> and someone gets That's their arm blown off. Yes. There's a lot of fighting. There's more choppas. Um, Get to the yes. chopper. And then we have a small moment where we go back to the men. Uh, where William tells Bernard and Stubbs, the only thing I regret in this life is creating you all. And it's like, all right. And then he's like, you better kill me now or I'll kill you later. And Bernard's like, let him go. We may need him. I'm like, none of this. But what's the best line in that whole point that he's, William says, he's the man that's going to save Westworld. Right. Because apparently this show is about men, TM. Uh, okay. Sorry. I'm like, I'm just kind of like, mm-mm. And then back at the hub, Caleb is having a kiki with Solomon. And he's like, dude, what happened to Francis? And Solomon's like, dude, do you really not know? Like, do you really not know? It's like, girl, Caleb's seriously? Like, no. I got to spell it I out for know. you now. Yeah, I don't know. And it turns out that Caleb, when they were supposed to be taking some anomaly dude out, outlier out, accidentally talked to him and he got a little bit too much information. So then Francis was tasked with killing not only their target, but Caleb as well, because now he had asked too many questions. And Caleb kills him first. He kills his best friend to protect himself, or at least that's what they're set up to do. So Caleb processes all of this and realizes he murdered his best friend Francis because of Solomon and he's like I'm gonna I'm gonna leave I'm, I'm out of here I'm mad and Solomon's like no you can't leave because you're the hero in this story and we need you for the revolution and Caleb's like all right man I'll stay and then there's more fighting between the women a bunch of sassy jabs at each other kick 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 stab 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 Dolores loses an arm. Maeve follows her saying, this is the last time you'll die. And we get the single moment of like action in this whole thing that, e- that even matters, which is Caleb accepts Solomon's um, proposition to be the leader of this revolution. And the second he does, like he picks up like this little, like what looks like a pearl. Um, Maeve and Dolores both collapse frozen. Like, not for us, they just collapse. It's like someone turned off their computer hardware. Well, Dolores right? hits the button. Does Dolores hit the button? Yeah. I thought it was that Caleb grabbed. No, Dolores hits the button at the end and See, starts the new machine. Seven times and I didn't even catch that. Yeah. No, basically Caleb's going to become the Christ figure or whatever. And. Uh, he uh, will raise her up. Oh, yeah, and sweet. and basically they all look at each other and then they all collapse. Right, and then in stroll the men. In stroll the men. They're looking for Dolores and Caleb. They're at some like janky Western um, gas station, pretty close probably to the Sonora compound. And Bernard tells Stubbs that Dolores won't kill all of humanity because she was made with poetic sensibilities, which is just a fancy way of saying she's a woman and she's too soft about it. 
but Caleb will do it. And then William pops up out of nowhere, like he said he would, to kill them, and they're going to regret not having killed him, and he's got a, a gun, and he's just pointing it at Bernard and Stubbs, and then we flash back to Solomon, or another robot, I couldn't tell if it was Solomon or another robot, telling Caleb as he walks past Dolores on the floor that he has some instructions for him. My guess is to help raise Dolores and Maeve from the dead or whatever. And scene, pew, pew, pew. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what to do with this episode. Because here's like the worst thing an episode can do. I'm not even that like interested in what happens in the next one. That's not a good feeling. I don't know. I don't know. Well, the next episode looks characters- like a big shoot them out, like beat them up type of episode. It looks like a golden eye game, like is what it looks like. But do you want to maybe just tell me what you think happens in this next episode? Um, I what are your think, predictions? I think Caleb's going to die. Oh, Really? Yeah, I don't I don't know if he makes it out of this season. I mean, like, there's something also about, like, Dolores and what, like, Bernard says, that she is made of poetic sensibilities. And this kind of goes back to the nature of, like, can um, people ever overcome their programming, right? Like, with Maeve, at the end of season one or two, I can't even remember now, you know, does she get on the train to leave Westworld? No, she goes back. Right, to to get her daughter. To get her daughter, you know, and with Dolores, you know, she's got a different motive, but is she ultimately going to destroy humanity or is she going to need a tool that doesn't have the programming restrictions that she does? I don't know. But I think at the end of the day, we have too many now outliers that there's too many questions left to be answered. We're at a really bad episode in like this Game of Thrones redux bullshit that we're dealing with. And... I'm trying to wonder if I care that much anymore about this show when they recenter it around this Caleb character. Who, right. You know, so, like, I right now, it looks like it is a William Caleb fight at the end. William's going to save everyone from robots. Caleb is fighting for a world with robots. I don't know how we went from a show that was entirely centered around women to that so i don't even have predictions for the next episode because from what i can tell this somehow became a fight between the man and white and caleb and i don't know how Maeve and dolores fit in anymore i i'm deaf i definitely don't know where bernard fits in Stubbs doesn't fit in it's just you don't waste a hemsworth but i just i don't know i guess we'll have not to when it's the week. homely hemsworth there's no such thing. I mean, oh. the show was really about <laughs> Maeve and Dolores specifically. The show the sp- was about women reclaiming their freedom and their bodies and the narrative from men. And I'm not saying that this isn't a show that that is, I'm not saying this is a show written for women. I think it's a show written for folks who have felt trapped and oppressed by a system that they had very little to do with and yet are victims of. So I am confused. Uh, I'm just confused how um, the narrative seems to be changing to handing over the entire storyline to the folks who had the power to be in with. 
And it looks like uh, Caleb becomes this crazy leader that, like, you know, just, I don't know, enjoys the destruction of humanity now. I don't know. Would you feel comfortable if it's Caleb and the man in white versus Dolores and Maeve? No, I don't even think that's a narrative possible. I think that's even a push. I know, right? Like, then that means Maeve and Dolores would have had to have reconciled and figured out their common ground. I th- and also, I have a real big problem with what it looks like Ciroc basically using Maeve. Well, this episode is called Past Pawns. Yeah. So we should have touched on that to begin with, but this episode... So its title implies that like we're all pawns that are passed around by the people in power, right? And that um, and that settles in a very strange place where it's like, wait, our homegirl Maeve, who's been badass, like first she was like held back by her motherhood, but now you're telling us like Sorak is is somehow the puppeteer here. And same thing with Dolores. Here's this badass woman, and you're telling me she hands over all her power, all of it, to a dude she barely knows who is a murderer. I I just, yeah. We will see in the next episode. (laughs) And maybe four years is long enough for me to forgive this episode when the next season comes out. This was the episode. <laughs> the show started so strong in the beginning. It did. It did. But listeners, we will be back. I promise I will not quit. I will finish out this season next week. Yeah, and you we can't have to. wait. I have to. We can't wait to hear from you. And we have a we have Kirsten coming back for the next episode, right? Praise be, unless in, unless we're all not here. We need someone to bring you and I in line. Someone. So, someone. So we'll we'll see y'all next week. Bye bye. Thanks everyone. Bye bye. <laughs>